Well, everybody. Yep. Uh-huh. 2021 Stars campaign has come to conclusion. And one more time into the podcast breach we go as we gather around the old rinky-dinking fire for a little hot stoving presented by Duncan. And again this week, we, uh, in the pod, are joined by one Mike Heike, stars.com. Can I call it stars.com or do you have to say DallasStars.com? Will I get there I think, if I, I say the, stars.com? I think the kids are saying stars.com. Okay, stars.com, senior writer. And... <laughs> Dick Vermeil-like emoter, uh, here to spread his special insight is is Mike Heike. Mike, great great to have you on again this week. Uh, thank you. Yep. And young Jeff Totes, who is prepared to organize our blather while courtesy laughing at three or four of my mildly humorous lines. I always appreciate that, Totesy. I thought Heiko was going to say it's www.dallastars.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you from his MySpace. You have to type that in. <laughs> on AOL. <laughs> oh, my Yikes. God. All right. Well, I'm, of course, the Razor Boy, and here we go. All right. All right. What did we all just do and witness and endure and at times enjoy? What what was that that we just went through, Mike? Um, unprecedented. I've heard that word Rick, a lot. I, I thought Rick had a great line uh, in his little Zoom exit presser yesterday, which is, um, "It is something that he's never been bef- been through before, and that he hopes he never has to go through yeah. again." I mean, it really is. I, I don't know how you could even guess that something like that would ever happen again. Uh, the hope is that we're moving out of the, the COVID uh, pandemic and that we'll be back with full buildings and full travel and full everything next year. And that this Man, will be Do you just have a, a magic wand? No, but the hope is. <laughs> I know, and then this will be a, just a distant, horrible memory that we endured. What a ferruginous five-month freak show that was, though, huh? Yeah. I mean, and, and then bad enough... If that's the right way to put it, with what all the teams had to go through, and then you chuck in there what the stars got tossed at them, and look, they had to play the games, but we all had to cover it at the same time that they were playing the games. And this just—it didn't make any sense what was going on from the COVID delay to the uh, storm that that took a—I mean. What was it? It was basically from an eight-day period where there were no games in a season where you had to play a lot of games in a short period of time. We call it truncated. And that winter storm, it just it paralyzed Texas. It conspired against the stars the rest of the way. I refer to it as vicissitudes of fortune. Big unwelcome change or alteration to the circumstance that they were in already and uh and away they went man you gotta you gotta tap your stick and tip your hat at what they actually did to compete because that was not easy and you and we'll get more into the schedule and that here in a little bit but man oh man i mean that 
that I agree. I agree with everything Bone said. It, yeah. It's just like never, never do that again. Never. You go, but they might have to. to. Winter, yeah, we'll see. You yeah. go to that winter storm and you think they could have been on the road at the time, and this was like once in a fifty-year storm. One hundred. Yeah, hundred-year storm, and it has to hit this year while they're at home. Yeah. It's just again. Ugh. It was like a lot of things were conspiring against them this year. Yeah. They uh, hockey gods were not friends. And and it I actually posed this to Bones the other morning when I had my my final chat with him prior to game 56 or 57 depending on whether you want to include all the overtime as an extra game because it was uh you know what was this all for naught in the end? You know you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Everything that you put yourselves through mentally and physically, and then you sit here now in preparing for game 56 that doesn't matter after game 55 that didn't matter. And does it, is there a feeling in, down there somewhere that, man, wh- what was the point of this? There's no playoffs. They can't defend your Western Conference title. I don't know. And, and to you know, he took a moment, and of course – the answer to that is, of of course, it wasn't all for naught. There were so many other things that went on, and stories, and growth, and everything else, and 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 just embracing the type of journey that they had to go through, which is a very hip thing to say, your journey. Uh, but it, I, I think, in general, no, it wasn't all for naught, right? Yeah, no, I think. Uh, y- we're writing stories every day about this stuff and the same stories, you know, keep coming up over and over again. Uh, But the fact that they played so hard in that last game and that Jason Robertson came up with the overtime winner and Jake Ottinger had a, you know, off night and yet still was staring down Patrick Kane in overtime, all of that stuff are, that's going to make them better players. And hopefully we'll see the rewards next season. Yeah. There's some of that. I, I, I've always downgraded a lot of anything that happens after teams are essentially eliminated just because it it's hard to parse much out of those contests I like the fact that they they went about their business trying to play to win I mean there were there were things that happened within the games that you're like man that that doesn't usually happen uh but you understand it they're mentally not a hundred percent engaged but so much better than a 10 rookie Chicago team that uh, was heading to an off season again without uh, any postseason and missing a bunch of people uh, as the stars were. So, um, Hey, look, they, like I said, you, they were able to win their final game this year. They couldn't win their final game last year, a little different, you know, circumstances, but they did win their final game and go on into the summer with, with some positivity, you're right. Uh, and speaking of stories, you, the highs and the enjoyables of the year, we should probably start with. So go ahead, Mike. I'll let you go with a with a list or or your high or well, don't get high, but uh, <laughs> your enjoyables on the year. I, I still go back to that opening night. Uh, so do I. Was, I know so it was delayed. I. It was delayed four games. Uh, we really had no idea what they were going to look like. No, and they came. You know, we just didn't know, and they came out just guns blazing, fun times. The arena was, you know, buzzing to a certain extent. 
um, it, it was just good. And then, you know, the, you get the, the banner raised and all that kind of stuff. Um, the other two was uh, Jamie's four-point night with the overtime okay. winner. You're two for two on my list, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the two-goal comeback against uh, Tampa Bay that was capped by the Hints goal. Okay, well, that's sort of in there on mine okay. as well. I had I had four, but back to the opener. So there was the first of many just grand games out of Joe Pavelski this season. Four points for him, right, in the opener? If I remember back, I think they were all on the power play. They score five power play goals. Those first two games against Nashville where they just destroyed their penalty killing, eviscerated them. And, you know, it was a it was basically a setup for what was going to be their season uh, offensively where their power play – I mean, they, they finished the season with the best power play percentage in Dallas Stars history. That's pretty and nice. Yet, yeah, and yet don't don't make the the postseason, which is crazy. But even before they annihilated the Preds at home in that opener, and and Nashville was playing well, and they played some games. So you're right. I mean, we're all going into it, and it's like, man, they might get smoked in game one. They've had 17 guys with COVID. Uh, they're they haven't played a game. You know, all these things were were sitting there. And before the game, the fans, the fans. Finally, after having to witness and listen to that run in the bubble to the Stanley Cup final, two wins from winning it all and not being involved in any of it in person, and they get to shower the, the two heroes, right? The Kazakhstani cult hero, uh, Anton Hadobin, and then he posts a shutout in game number one. And Bones, who took over and guided them through all of that muck up in Edmonton, and great ovations. I mean, there were only, what, 4,200 people in the building? But it yeah. sounded like 14,000. It was great. It was, they were so Stars fansy in that one, so passionate and loud and proud. And then they go out and deliver that for them. I mean, it it's kind of like my NHL career. It, it peaked early and then tailed <laughs> off, or peaked immediately and then tailed off. You know, like, it after that, there were, there were moments, but that – it's hard to believe that your home opener is your high point in a 56 yeah. game schedule, but pretty close to it. Uh, that Jamie's Jamie's four point game against Carolina was just such a uh, return of beast mode for him. And, you know, it's been hit and miss and he, he wears a lot of the struggles of this team on, on his you know shoulders and on his back and his heart. And for him to come up with a game like that, finish it off, another overtime winner, I think it was just spectacular. And you mentioned I, I the repeated Rope diems where Rope <laughs> wouldn't play, and then he'd seize the day when he'd come back in the lineup, and then he wouldn't play, and then he'd seize the day once again. Uh, and then ultimately the winner with, what, a minute and a half to go in that comeback against uh, the, the win against – the Stanley Cup champs at home. It was pretty good. Uh, the other one that you didn't mention, though, was the run of Jason Robertson, uh, the, his point run where he uh, broke Jamie Langenbrunner's rookie record for points in consecutive games for a rookie. It was a yeah. pretty neat little run. And we were, hey, look, there were times this year we were starving for stories because it was the same thing over and over again. 
Uh, and that was that was just a neat little thing. And the whole season was kind of a coming out party for Robertson, which we can get more into. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we I think we concur there, Michael. <laughs> I think Stars fans would concur with us too, that those were th- those were the many. What about Lowe's and WTFs? <laughs> um, you know what's funny? I'm going to go back to Game One again, and it wasn't the really? moment of yeah, it, w- it wasn't the moment of the low, but the simple fact that Pavelski and Radulov had such amazing timing. Like, they just knew where each other was on the ice, and I think that carried a little over from the bubble. And then you look and think, what could they have done if Radulov just would have been healthy all year? I mean, he had more than a point a game in the games he played. And so you sit there and think about, I mean, what was the first two goals, I think, were Radulov to Pavelski and Pavelski to Radulov or something like that. I mean, the timing was just amazing. I don't know. You're telling the story, Mike. I know. Don't ask me to remember stuff. Seemed like it was a lot of Klingberg and Pavelski, (laughs) but sure. Sure, a little bit of everything. You're right. Anyway. I mean, we'll get into rads here in a little bit. But if, yeah. if you'd please answer the question or the premise I just tossed out, that would really help the podcast. Lowe's. Uh, prob- you don't have to go the, long. No, the one nothing, one nothing lost to Nashville. I really thought they were going to win that game. And, I, you know, if they would have won it in regulation because they had a couple of shots that could have gone in, um, who knows where we'd be right now. Um, oh, my God, but, Mike. It, there's so many of those. Though. I know. But that that's the one that they they really tried to play their game. And people can argue whether that's a, a good strategy or not. Uh, but they played a hard defensive game and all they needed was one goal and they couldn't get it. And that kind of encapsulates the whole season, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, again, you could bash your head through. Uh, wall and hit a friggin' stud two by four trying to you know ignore all the games like that or moments like that during I mean you can say that game but you can also go back and just look at two shootouts against Nashville and say yeah if they'd only won two of those you know like it it drive you berserk put you in a straight jacket I I look back I I can't get that first road game out of my mind in Carolina because they I mean they were rocking right like things were going extremely well they they had uh cruised four and oh to open at home they'd scored eight power play goals in two games to tie an NHL record and then they go into Carolina and they they sucked to a man I mean I don't remember the last time I saw a Stars game where every single guy that played, outside of probably Ottinger, who came in and mopped up, but every single guy that suited up was awful. I mean, terrible. They couldn't do anything. They generated 11 shots in the entire game, set a record, and got beat by the, by the Canes. It was just like, oh, my God. Like, really? And, and to me, a lot of that... that, that kind of underscored a lot of what went on this season too, where they would be wildly this way. And then all of a sudden that way. And that was, that was the one that just stuck out. Now they, they got their act together. were better. Uh, the next game in still lost it. Uh, first periods in general were, were problematic again. They just don't generate enough offense early in games, but the biggest thing is overtime, right? Yeah. I mean, Game 56 was 
was almost ironic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they go to overtime and win it because so many times they went to overtime and couldn't, they just could not win. They couldn't get a save. They couldn't manufacture a goal. They'd get into shootouts and the same thing would go on. And at the end of the season, man, 20 times in 56 games, they didn't solve anything in regulation. I mean, it's, it's insane. And it goes back to what you were talking about, Mike. So close. You know, one nothing, nothing, nothing heading into overtime in that game in Nashville you're speaking of. Well, yeah. 20 times this year, they, they were a, a save, a goal, a broken play, a penalty, whatever you want to call it. From, that was the difference between two points or only pick, picking up the single. Crazy. Yeah, and then, you know, we've talked about the three-goal games going the other way. Like, when they won, they won. I'm talking about overtime here, Mike. No, no, I know, but I'm saying you talk about the highs and the lows. Like, how could they not get some of those plays in some of these just crucial moments? Like, they had some beautiful moments. They had some times where they were just the the greatest offensive team in the league. And then yet, at times when they really needed it, they just couldn't get it. Well, those and it was such it was such a contrast from the playoffs last year, which is whenever they needed something, they kind of got it. Yeah, they and that that was a thing to remember about the bubble. They, they didn't really pound people. They they just found a way to be better than yeah the other team. Whereas this year, that I mean, their numbers at the end of the season. Like 14 of their, what was it now? 14 of their 23 wins were by three or more goals. Yep. They, they went 14 and seven in three goal games. But they were, they were a uh, disastrous nine and 20 in one goal games. And they, how about this one? They didn't win a game by two goals. They they went zero and six in games that were decided by two goals. <laughs> like that, that that's so pandemicy. That doesn't make any sense. It's just a number. It's just a stat, but it makes no sense. None. I think it makes a little bit if you go with like empty net goals. Like they were up. Well, yeah, that's what they, they are. But yeah, but so they were down one goal, and then the the, the empty net probably made made it two goals in a lot of those losses as you might find in a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. You're right, Mike. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the other thing, the I, I was thinking of this, and this is just sort of fact. It brings up your, your Radulov point. The, the Russians in general this year, they provided so many highlights last year, right? Yep. The three of them. But, but it just didn't manifest again this year. Radulov's injury. I mean, he played what, 11 games? Yep. He played 11 games. Man, for all the maddening penalties and neurotic behavior uh, that he sometimes would would bring forth, they may have missed what he brings the most, right? This yeah. year, Alexander Radulov. I mean, the offense, that passion, the competitive tenacity that seems to be infectious. Uh, and you you mentioned spot on that that he meshes so well with the other elites. Uh, so I mean that that stung that really did. I mean as much as hey I'm not taking anything away from any of the other guys that were out long term and and at times this year, but that 
they they missed what he brings. And then you had uh, the sophomore slump of Dennis Gurionov. You know, he led him in goals last year, and it was such a struggle in long stretches for Dennis to score. And you could see that it it really tore at him and weighed on him. And maybe not having Radulov there all the time also impacted that. And then Anton and Nett went from what he did in the bubble, and really not just in the bubble. I mean, he was he was arguably the best backup in the league for two years, right? With yeah. with Bishop. Uh, you know, led the NHL in save percent. He led the NHL in save percentage last year. And then this year, it just it just felt I mean, there were moments where he was incredible too. Like the 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 games he the games he played in Nashville, the the game he won in Florida, but that was a precipitous drop in save percentage for Dobie this year. And that error prone and erratic play at the position was tough to overcome a lot for a club that that scored on the power play but struggled for long stretches of this season again to score enough goals five on five yeah it reminded me of Kari uh you know just there were games where he basically carried the team and saved the team but then the next game he gave up four or whatever um if you look it's funny because it is hard to say who they miss the most. But if you look at what Ben Bishop has done over his career and the fact that he totes a 919, 920 save percentage pretty much every year against every opponent, um, that may be an area where they really – Jake did great. He was really good, probably played above his head. Um, and then Anton, I just think maybe, you know, he was more comfortable as a backup uh, where he had a couple – if he had a bad game, he had a couple of, you know – games to sort it out and then get back in. And I don't know, or maybe it was just a pressure. Maybe it was a COVID he had in December. Uh, yeah. It could have been a, yeah. a bunch of things, but he, You're he right. wasn't, he wasn't the same guy. No, no. It, and they, they just couldn't afford that this year. Right. Yeah. Like no. if you, did you see that, that stat on, on UC Soros down the stretch? Oh my God. So if you, if you want to look at the importance in, uh, of goaltending, and I don't think I need to overstate that. I mean, I'm as important to this podcast as I was when I was in the pipes. That good. Like, that good. UC Saros, in his last 25 full games, had a 943 save percentage. <laughs> 943. Over 25 games. Yikes. He won 18 of them. He allowed 46 goals. Like, you, you know, they, they had their issues, too, with injuries and guys not playing well, guys not scoring at the rate that they had in previous years, and yet one position can just mop everything up. It's a lot to ask, and it's so easy to to make them culpable or make them heroes, right? It's just the nature of the position. And they, they got good goaltending, but they needed great goaltending a lot a lot of the nights this year. And that was just one of the other areas where they didn't get the level that they needed in order to be a playoff team. And and it was very marginal how much more they needed, but they needed yeah. a little more. Yeah. Well, what the about- other thing about goaltending is it gives the team confidence. Like I yeah. think if you look at Nashville, or, they're playing with or confidence takes it right away. 
<laughs> well, yeah, both ways. But if good goaltending, like how many times have we seen the Stars get off to a slow start, but it's 0-0 and it's, you know, shots on goal are 12 to 3 for the other team uh, because Ben or, or uh, Anton, yeah, you know, it's 0-0. Yeah, we, we just stopped all 12 we saw and all right, let's go to second period. And it, it just makes a huge difference in how your entire team plays. It's not just the, you know, end of the day, oh, they got one more goal than us. It's, you know, we weren't down two to nothing, and that changes how we play the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. The the there's two things that that coaches always need, and one is is splendid net mining, stellar goaltending. It doesn't matter how good your team is. I mean, look look at the defending champs. Uh, that had to, it had to. You could hear it in in Bones' voice because they had to play him so many times this year, and they outplayed him a lot. But they couldn't outscore that guy, right? You know, Vasilevsky made them look like a much better team than what they were this year because they were missing bodies too, and they got beat uh, a lot on the surface. But they wouldn't get beat on the scoreboard because he just wouldn't allow it. Like Vasilevsky was that good, and yeah, their, just... their goals against and their save percentage when he's not in net. That's oh that's my god, precipitous yeah. drop. Yes, it is. Precipitous <laughs> is a good word, isn't it? It is. It's a great I word. I know. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, Jake, I, I loved Jake Ottinger's year, too. I really did. Uh, I mean, there were moments where you're just like, man, he's a rookie, and he's going to learn that lesson. And three years from now, that that is not going to go in, or that is not going to happen. But it was a difficult spot for him to get thrust into, too. And I, I thought he, I thought he did masterfully. To, it would be so easy for him to not be as like he finished every game that he started, just just with that. Just think that every game that Jake started, he finished. He never got pulled once this year as a rookie. And man, you could have sat there two months into the season, and the brain trust of the stars might have been searching for a you know an answer. A, you know he's not ready. He. Like if look at Ty Delandria, like he started the season on the taxi squad and in the lineup a little bit. By the end of the year, he was in the American Hockey League playing games, uh, and they went with others. and And Jake played well enough to where he finished with better numbers than Anton did. And again, he finished every game he started. And a lot of young guys get get just buckled by th- the level the games, all the things that everyone had to go through this year. And I thought he handled everything like a champ and, and had some real special moments along the way. And it seems like they have uh, just a unbelievable prospect in him going forward. Yeah. We didn't get to go into the locker room and, and, you know, talk to the players like we have in the past, but everybody you talk to on zoom calls about him says, this guy is the real deal. This guy is an incredible competitor. This guy is an incredible worker, first on the ice, last off the ice, all that kind of stuff. And then the thing that stuck out to me is the fact those overtime and shootout losses really could have eaten at his confidence. Like, I mean, they came early and he was... That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, and so the fact that he learned from it and spit it back out, you know, that, that it's a great symbol of what he can be. Yeah, rate, rate to game... 56 too. Yep. I mean, first two shots go in, you know, it could have been rattled. It could have been a mess. Could have end up on the bench in game 56 after c- coming off kind of a shaky game against Tampa. 
on the heels of an absolute stunning performance off the bench in Florida. And instead, he, you know, he's able to bow up. And I thought both those young guys showed that competitive nature uh, and mental toughness that is going to make them just terrific pros going forward. You know, you had Robertson set up the tying goal and score the winner and laid out – who was that he smoked at center? Strom or somebody? Yeah, it was great. Murphy? Like he, he, it, was, it was interference, but it was a great – Oh, screw that. He, <laughs> who cares? They're not calling anything. I understand. That's right. They but, weren't. But those – you know, in that game, those two, those two guys, in, in overtime, the Stars are shorthanded. Jake wouldn't give up that goal. Saw too many times this year where – the last shot of the game won it for the opposition, and he had to skate off with his head bowed a little bit. And they were like, "Not, no, I'm not going into the summer that way. So good on them. Good on them. Uh, how about the league? What what has been the best of? And it's not over. They're going to play on for no. another week. <laughs> That's, that is just so NHL 2021, isn't it? Well, the and then, regular you know, season is going to go on for another week. If you're a Stars fan, you're like, well, why couldn't we have gotten some of those days off? Why are we getting them now? Why couldn't we have had a couple earlier well, and let the, us play? You know, I the know. Canucks are getting the same treatment the Stars received, but they're so far out of it. Stars are trying to do it and stay in the playoff yeah. hunt. The Canucks know they're not getting in. They just have to play out a schedule, which is almost yeah, cruel. A, it is. It's weird. But, um, you know, they did the best they could. Uh, I actually liked the uh, Canadian division. And uh, all the passion that came out of that. Um, and then there's some really great, I mean, pff, McDavid is, that's amazing. Yeah. To watch Mc him. Jesus of the North. McJesus of the North. And, and you know, you know how hard it is to do these things. You know, I don't care what division you're playing in. I don't care how tired the other team is. <sighs> He's just amazing. Yeah. Man, like 100 points in basically 50 games. <laughs> Like, it's just insane. And some I read somebody brought up this point, and I think this is what you were alluding to, Mike, that you could say, okay, well, you know, you got to pick up a ton of points against Ottawa and against Vancouver, and, you know, it was – well, when you – usually when you play the same teams over and over and over and over and over again, they kind of have a light bulb moment as to your tendencies and they can game plan to at least corral you a little bit and not allow you to just skylark your way through them repeatedly and put up the type of points that he did. And they couldn't do it. Like it, it would be more understandable almost if it was all Western conference or like it was in the last truncated season, or if it was league wide, right? Where, mm -hmm. Teams haven't seen him. They don't understand. Holy Jesus, he really is fast. But you had the same teams over and over up there, and he just pumped all of them over and over. Like, it was crazy. And then the criminal part of it is he did it all in front of nobody. Yeah. Like, not, that, yeah. not a fan in that building up there. That's crazy. It's just criminal. Yeah. Criminal. But special. Yeah, it's funny – you know, you've been around defensive forwards, defensive defensemen. Like, do you know how motivated they have to be to go in there and say, not tonight, not well, tonight. Go goalies, then, defensemen, oh. coaches, teams. And, the, and yet he's just like, yeah, whatever. 
Yeah. Do your best. Oh my God. What a what nice a, try. What a I mean, he's gonna win the heart by a landslide. Yeah, and he should. Yeah, he should. But I just wish he was doing it in front of eighteen thousand a night up there. Yeah. Which wasn't the case. But yeah, they do like their Canadian division. We'll get into the divisions in a bit. Uh I like the old guy strength storylines in the league too. There were a ton of rookies that debuted. Uh, but you know, Joe Pavelski here. And what he did at 36 and in there every night and playing close to 20 minutes every night. Mike Smith in net for McJesus' Edmonton Oilers at 39. This might have been his best season ever, former Stars netminder. He he was incredible. Like, there were nights I watched their games, I was just like, man. Mike Smith's playing like he's 28, not 38. Uh, Patrick Marlowe. And becoming the uh, all-time leader in games played in the NHL and still able to skate up and down the ice like he's, you know, fresh as a daisy 20-something. Pretty impressive stuff from the, the geriatric set, don't you think? Yeah, Thornton and Spezza are two that yeah. I, I just yeah. love. I mean, because you know them. I mean, they're, they're fun guys, and they take them. they don't take the game too seriously, and yet... The reason they're where they are is because they take the game so seriously. Um, it, it would be great if those two could win it. It, it would be just fantastic. So. Yeah, but then the Leafs would have to win it, and that would really <sighs> suck. I'm fine with that. The uh, you, you mentioned those guys. It's a good point. I, I remember years ago when money was really exploding, like salaries, mm-hmm. and there was a belief that players were not going to play into their late 30s anymore because they'd have so much money, there'd be no motivation. And then... Once they did finish their careers, they'd certainly never stay in hockey. Why would they stay in hockey, you know, bang around as a general manager or something like that? But that, that is not the truth. <laughs> it is <laughs> guys, guys look, look like they're continuing to play until someone rips the jersey off them. And then a lot of them, and elite ones, immediately want to get into management. And it, it goes back to what you were stating, which is, their love of the game is so deep. Their their passion for the sport uh, is just the fiber of their being that they, they they want to do it forever and ever and be involved forever and ever. And those are great examples of players like that, from yeah. Pavelski on through to you know Little Joe to Jumbo Joe, just just phenomenal stuff from them. Yeah, and oh. we're, when we're in the locker rooms, you see it. I mean, it's it's fun. It's a great life. If you can be doing that at age forty, you're having a great life because uh, you're playing a kid's game, and it's it's fun. Well, if Thornton had scored four goals, you would have really seen it in the locker room, though, right? <laughs> I think we did. I think we did see that. Wasn't it blurred out somewhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Uh, okay, the schedule. Did you mind it? What'd you think of it? The division it. only. Oh, the division only. Mm. I didn't enjoy that just because, again, this would make a whole lot of difference if we're in the arena with fans and everything like that. But um, as as good as the rivalries were, it was really weird. Like, we're not going to see Carolina and Florida and Tampa ever again, I don't think. And yet you saw them eight times this year. Well, no, and, you're going to see them two times a year. Going yeah, forward. I know. Yeah, but it, it's not, not going to. It's not going to. They're be not getting the same. relegated or anything, are they? Well, the stars might. No, no just <laughs> the 
I thought it. I thought it was terrible. It was yeah. out of necessity. It was terrible, right? Because yeah, the the thought heading into it was, oh my god, you know they're going to play eight times against one another. You, there's going to be a bloodbath and the hatred. Well, impossible. They're playing every second night, and they it, what it became was they were just tired of playing one another. I think fans were tired of seeing them play one another. I know we as broadcasters were tired of trying to come up with storylines of playing against one another. Uh, you were probably worn out of trying to come up with previews or whatever else about the same two teams playing against one another again. Like We're sitting there trying to figure out what we're going to talk about off the top of our shows. And, I mean, you're trying to be creative, but it's the same guys, like, you're doing a marquee matchup. You're doing who's running the show for them right now. You'd be talking about the same guys over and over and over and over and over again about the same things. And and it was just, it was defeating. It was Groundhog Day. And it's back to yeah, normal the, next year, thank God. Yeah. The other part is all the stuff we missed. So what about Robertson versus Kaprizov? What, yeah. what about seeing yes. Vegas or Colorado or Edmonton? What about McDavid coming to Dallas? I mean, we missed all of that. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? You know what I don't want you to miss, though, Mike? Hmm. And this, Sound. this is going to sound a little bit cocoa nuts. But I want you to try a new Duncan flavor. Duncan's Coconut Refresher, made with smooth coconut milk. It's like taking a tropical vacation for just three bucks. That's a win, Mike. You can order a medium pink strawberry, golden peach, or purple pomegranate flavored Duncan Coconut Refresher for three bucks. Remember, the stars ran on Duncan. How about that for they're, they're, a they're not just read. coffee anymore. Smack they, read. They have you know what I did? You know what I did for this final rinky dinking? I, I I I augmented it and I moved it into the summer. Because smooth. The hot weather's coming. And if I'm anything, I'm pliable. And and I did that uh, for you and for all of our rinky dinking listeners. And for Duncan. You're welcome. Th Thank you, Daryl. Mm-hmm. All right, the near future of the stars, I guess the most pressing thing, and this is where we really need your expertise, Michael, the uh, expansion draft, as the Kraken have paid their $650 million, and that has been dispersed amongst the 31 owners, and they're going to start it all up in Seattle next year. Pretty exciting stuff out there, isn't it there, uh, Tootsie? I love, love everything I've seen from them so far. Really pumped to see them kind of keep getting it off the ground and build that brand up yeah. there. Yeah. I think everybody in every aspect, every role in a hockey organization would be thrilled to start from the ground up. Don't you, Mike? Yeah. Like, what a and, fun and undertaking that would be. I mean, it'd be daunting at times, but, man, you, you're you're – starting from an infancy and germination and uh, building the whole thing. Now they got, they got a lot to live up to. <laughs> You're looking at <laughs> the, the once expansion and not long ago, 
Vegas Golden Knights that are again a Stanley Cup favorite this year. So they're yeah, going to have mean, to pick pick players, and they teams are teams learned lessons, I, I would think, uh, from that expansion draft when the Golden Knights came in, that they won't make similar mistakes, or they'll try not to, and. Uh, for the Kraken, they're going to try to do exactly what Vegas did because they were immediately a terrific NHL team. I think the rule changes that they made for this one were, you know, for the Vegas one were were needed. And and I think the great thing about it is that the league is seeing by making a, an expansion team good, you're actually helping the league uh, because the amount of attention that Vegas got and I think the amount of tension that Seattle will get if they're good, uh, it's great for the league. And so, yeah. yes, they, they should get every opportunity to be winners in their first year, and, and hopefully the rules allow them to... But not win at all. Well, I mean, you I, don't that, want, they shouldn't you have got that You do not want your expansion team to win your championship. You don't. That's a good point. You don't. I know. Do you? I, it was fun. You I would was, be fine with on, that. I was riding the wave, yes. Oh my God! That that is one of the dumbest things that you have almost stated. <laughs> that I put I'm, the words into I'm, your mouth. <laughs> I'm stating right now. You want the Seattle Kraken to win it all? No, you don't. Year. No, you don't. No, you don't. You want them to compete. You yes. don't want them to be the '74, '75 Washington Capitals, <laughs> who were my. I think they were minus two forty-five in goal differential. NHL record, yeah. And as good as as good as the Sharks' idea was, those early teams, oh my gosh, they were single-digit wins, weren't they? Yeah, and same with Ottawa. Bones Bones coached the expansion Ottawa Senators. Yeah, and I think they were a ten-win team. Man, oh man! But that was back when you only only had to pay like sixty, seventy, eighty million dollars to get in, right? Right. So I think. I think they were saying, well, look, yeah, you're in, but you're going to have to suck for a while. Like, you're not going to be good, and we're all going to beat up on you. But, hey, welcome to the National Hockey League. And when it went to half a billion dollars, the idea being, if you're going to pony up that much, you're going to at least have a chance to draft some good players and compete. We're not going to ask you to go on a 10-year plan to be competitive. But they don't. Nobody wants the, them to win. Look, if Vegas won now, fine. They've had to go through some stuff. But if they right. won immediately, yuck, barf. I don't want that. Spoken like a true Canadian. Yep, you're right. Well, I'm American now, though. Hey, you're both. Expansion draft, Mike. Go. <laughs> um, I think they they have one difficult decision, and that's. Who are they going to protect in the forward spot? Um, obviously, Ben, Radulov, Sagan have to be protected. Uh, hints will be protected. Con- Contract-wise. Contract-wise, because they have no movement causes that yeah. require the stars to protect them. Uh, and then I think it comes down to do... I mean, I think you're protecting Pavelski. I would. I know he's 36, but I don't want to take any chance of losing him at all. And so then that, I think, makes you make a decision on... You know, Dickinson, Foxa, uh, Garyanov, would you leave him exposed if it you know came down to keeping Dixon, Dickinson or Foxa? I don't know. It's, it's going to be very interesting because I think that's the area that 
the Kraken target. I mean, you can say that maybe they might want to take Hudobin, but the age and the performance this year, I think they would be more interested in one of your forwards. Do you have the expansion draft rules in front of you? Uh, I because I don't. Off top so of my we head. can move on to the next topic if you want. Uh, it's uh, seven to, forwards. Yeah, three defensemen, one goalie that you can protect, mm-hmm. and then you have to protect players who have no movement clauses. Clauses. Yeah. So the beyond, stars have to beyond protect, those numbers. Right. Yeah. Right. So the yeah. stars have yeah. to protect uh, Anti- or, uh, Ben Bishop. Uh, the other interesting thing is the Stars have three defensemen they're clearly going to protect in Klingberg, Haskinen, and uh, Essa Lindell. But then Jamie Alexiak, their fourth defenseman, UFA. is going to be a UFA. So there, I just don't think there's any way Seattle takes uh, Alexiak seven days before free agency starts. So I think they, no. you know, the Stars wait that out. Then they have a window of six or seven days to sign Alexiaks, and 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 they make it. They make their pitch at that point in time, and I, I think Jamie wants to stay, but you know, free agency can be very uh, seductive. So maybe he goes and and sees what's out there. Right. Oh, uh, and then there will be an actual draft this year. Have you heard whether somebody asked me the other day? Are they going to do it in person, or is it once again a virtual draft, or is there two I'm drafts? Not, a hundred percent sure. I think it, I mean, you it's have leagues virtual. that didn't play this year, like the OHL. Right. Yeah, it's insane, and yet, yeah, that, I, that's I, why I feel that so whole bad I, for those young players. Yeah, that's why that whole IIHF tournament that was here was such a big deal. Yes, uh, I think two, three hundred scouts were here because yeah. that was one of the you know was well, certainly the last look and and one of the only looks for some of these players. What a what a great undertaking uh, and pull off that was by the Stars organization to do that. The, the down, I'm telling you, up there in Frisco at the offices and just in that burgeoning area, that's turning into sort of the southern home of USA hockey. It might turn into the actual home of USA hockey going <laughs> forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, like that was one, a I huge think- success. Like I think the, the freedom that we have here in Texas makes things a lot easier in a lot of ways, not just the COVID, yeah. but, you know, in, in financial uh, reasons yeah. uh, to have your business here. And, and then business the, you friendly know, here in Texas. It yeah, is. And then I think the infrastructure of what they have done over 25 years to build the community rinks and to, to create an environment where, you know, young players can yeah. play hockey and you can, you, you can become an NHL player growing up in, in Plano, Texas. Um, so yeah, I, the fact that they had the winter classic here, everybody saw that the fact they had the draft here a couple of years earlier, everybody saw that. And then the fact they just had this tournament, the hockey world knows that this is a really strong place, uh, to build hockey. And, and it's funny. I talked to some of the, the people who run the rinks and they say people from Florida or Arizona or Vegas or California, they call them up, they come here, they tour the facilities. They want to know how to run a Sunbelt hockey organization. Yeah. And the stars are kind of like the shining light in that. The jewel of the Sunbelt. You're right. And it it's a little easier to attract free agents to a state that doesn't have uh, the tax hurdles that some of the other locales and teams do around the league. Although it's not as exclusive as it once was, you know, Tennessee's the same thing, Florida's the same thing, Arizona's the same thing. So 
you battle a little bit of that. But uh, we'll see what they dip into as far as free agency this summer. And through the the prospects and the draft and the expansion draft, and free agency, trades possibly, uh, they're going to look different next year than they they have looked these last two years. Uh, the, I mean, I, I, we've seen the last days of the FCC, right? As, as, I, yeah, I think so. I mean, the Stars veteran checking line has been a staple. Uh, Cogliano and Como are both UFAs. And you know how this league works. Uh, there's there's youth knocking on the door, and and they need they need easier scoring, not easier scoring, but uh, more easily manufactured goals, breezier goal scoring, along with their their stout defensive and checking game, because they generate chances, they just don't finish enough of them. If 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 there's a need going forward, a number one need going forward for this team to move away from the middle for the most part, you know, where they're always perennially 15th, 16th, 17th overall at the end of the year in, in points and, and getting in and trying, you know, every second year. What last eight years they've been in for, they've, they've been out for. Um they got to they got to be able to finish off their chances more consistently and breezily that's that's my feeling yeah and i think the numbers back you up uh they're top 5 in in scoring chances high danger scoring chances uh i think they were top 6 or 7 in the sat which is shots shot attempts for and against uh i failed they, the they... sat i didn't get into the schools <laughs> i wanted because of that uh, i think you would have totsy where are you those are the ones you're supposed yeah. to laugh yeah. at <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm here thank for you. that. <laughs> All right, thank you. But but you're right. I mean, they and I think Cogliano, Como, and Fox are a great example of that frustration. They can get the puck, they can get it into the offensive end of the ice, and they can exit a 45 second shift with no shots on goal. Um, and that's a great thing is for a checking line because you're making the other team defend. But it's also a frustrating thing because other teams are having four scoring lines now. And so, you know, so you want to look at Delandria and you want to look at Camano and you want to look at whoever else, Damiani, and say, could these guys be on our third and fourth line? And would we be better if we had that sort of offensive push from some of our, you know, our quote unquote, two way hockey players? Yeah. I mean, they got great mileage out of those those three guys, especially on home ice, to just sick them on top lines, and they they would badger and torment and shut down. Uh, but then you'd go on the road, and you it, it was more of a struggle to get them matched up, and that's just the nature of the game now. Uh, but anyway, I, I love veteran, you know, hardcore pros, and that's what that's what those guys are. That was kind of fun watching Jamie. In between the two of them in Game Fifty Six the other night, yes, <laughs> you know, because well, I've always thought like, he had great chemistry yeah. with Como. I mean, every time they're yeah. out there, it seems like yeah. they know each other. And you know, you go back Kelowna to the Rockets, the same, man, goes yeah, back to their junior the same, days. Yeah, and yeah. so it is funny to watch Jamie, and, and it, it says a little bit about you know one Jamie's ability to be a good checker, and two just having that sort of old school rock'em sock'em nature on your line, yeah. where you know you're not afraid of anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well said, Mike. Finally. <laughs> Thank you. Finally something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
how about some memorable stuff? Uh, and this is where you have to talk, uh, Jeff Totes. Yeah. Your most memorable pick vid- video thing this season? You took a lot. <laughs> I liked your Spearmint Hazmat shots, by the way. I thought yeah. those were icy. That was How about a you though. Part. What did you What did you pump out that you're most proud of? Um, honestly, guys, it has to be the thigh pictures in terms of memorable <laughs> memorable captures from this season. Um, and I, I've been, I mean, over the past week, kind of going back. And, and to your point earlier about the division structure, I was putting together what would have been um, a jumbotron open for playoffs, but now it'll roll over and be used next season. And going through highlights, just using goals, hits, fights, saves from this season, it got very repetitive with the teams played and the arenas in. And the only thing that really saved us is all the jersey changes. Like the fact that we have four different jerseys in play is the only thing that kind of broke up the monotony of the limited teams we were playing. So that was a sort of unforeseen challenge that I know has come up with you guys on the broadcast a lot. But, uh, I mean – yeah, long story short, the thighs, the uh, those post game moments with milestones, first points, first goals, um, milestone points. Those those were some those were some good times, and those will be the kind of pictures from this season that are the most memorable. Yeah, ward wardrobe changes and lactic acid is what you were all about this year. <laughs> That's yeah. If you could get well boil down the fifty six games, it's it's that. <laughs> That's a good point, I, though. I like know it, you hate when I'm I'm too uh, gushy here. Oh God! Uh, oh Dick, no! Just Here's a second. Gushy, Get a tissue. Gushy moment for Totes. He is a fantastic interviewer. As a person who tries to get information out of these athletes who don't always want to talk, like when I see a Totes interview, I'm like, wow! Like these are great responses, and you have to ask the right question to get a great response, and he does a wonderful job at that. I appreciate That's just that, my point. <laughs> that I do. Thank you. Oh. We might have lost Razor with that one. <laughs> okay. He, well, he's the char- he's the Charlie Rose of, oh of my Gen God. Z or whatever. My, he is. See, now you ruined it. You ruined all of what you just said, Mike. Uh, okay, it's your turn now, uh, Hikes. Maybe you can you can uh, weepily come up with your best article you wrote this year. I I enjoyed your two-part expose on the hurdles the broadcast had to leap over repeatedly this year. <laughs> oh, that's right. You never bothered to write about no, our struggles to bring not... the fans pure <laughs> excellence this year. That's not my job. It's um, not? I, I'm joking. Uh, I, I mentioned the IIHF. Uh, I did a story on them, and I really enjoyed that. But that was an interesting example of how – uh, great quotes uh, are the most important thing. Um, like I, I wrote okay, but the quotes from Pat Kelleher and from uh, Brad Alberts were just dynamic. And when you get somebody, you know, that impassioned talking about their event, it really does help. And I, I enjoyed that story. And then my, my favorite lead was sports is hard uh, because I think that, you know, that that was pretty, I, I really drew you in and, and <laughs> it's a story, story about <laughs> Dennis Gariano. Sports is hard. <laughs> that was the lead. Is that great? I don't. Hey, a que- was... question. And this is an honest question. Back in your newspaper days, you yeah. guys didn't write the headlines, right? No, we didn't. Did you write the leads? 
Yeah. Oh, well, of course oh. he wrote the leads. I don't know. Maybe there's a I special know. lead person it, in there. It's, that... it's a stupid system in newspapers, but the person who puts the, and this used to be the article on the page, so to speak, uh, they had a certain limited amount of characters they needed to fit the headline in. So then it so was like their who, job. Was there a person that wrote headlines? Yes. Or did the guy and they, just and they get, they get slap it together? No, so there's the, the an actual person, headline writer? Yes. And oh, in okay. the olden days, they had to fit the headline onto the page. And so even as a writer, I had no idea. Nobody knew what you needed in the headline until you saw what the space was. So as they're putting the pit, you know, like they say, okay, here's the Maverick story, here's the Cowboy story, here's the Star story. Well, where you put them dictated how many characters you had for a headline. So you needed a person to write the headline based on the amount of characters you had. And so it just carried over. And so now, even though we're online, the person who writes the headline is the person who edits the story and puts it online and not the writer, which I think the writer should be the person who writes it. And then as we do it now with the stars, uh, it, it's kind of a, a, a collaborative act between uh, uh, the people who put the story on, on the internet and me and, um, so that's interesting, but you know that was the the one sports as hard is about Dennis Garyanov uh, trying to get out of his slump and how the coaches were trying to help him and just the whole give and take of it all and and it is it's hard and you know you try your best and sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, hard, but hard my to get favorite hard to get story, through your diatribes on headlines too there, but uh, I know that's yeah, true. it was good information. <laughs> my uh, favorite I, story of the year was Kelly Forbes. Uh, and just the insight behind him making that call uh, in Chicago and then how he got to that point. The fact that him and Matt Rodell wake up every morning and look at every review in the league and then have a cup of coffee and a 45-minute chat on why this should or shouldn't have been overturned. And it's just the amount of work that he puts in. I, I enjoyed writing that story. It's good. They were all good. You love the minutia and, and the <laughs> just, and the heart strings. That's, I do like that's the heart your bailiwick, if you will. <laughs> well, you pumped out great stuff. I, I'm, that's a difficult uh, year. I, I agree with what you said about uh, young Jeff Totes and his ability to pull out some good content. They call it content now, Mike, by the way. Uh, not answers. Uh, I think it's cons. Questions, content. Right? And the, the kids are kind of saying cons. You completely lost uh, JT on your whole talk about these newspaper things. He doesn't <laughs> understand what that yeah. is, let alone a, a headline. Uh, he'd probably be like, you mean a like a screen grab or a, what are you talking about? Uh, my best, uh, the, look, there was no real best from me this year. I just, you know, plowed through and, uh, bunch of verbal diarrhea for the most part this year uh i did say i did say on network uh regional network television he pooped a puck in detroit uh very proud of that as that was something came through my lips captured the moment perfectly should have been a t-shirt i thought but never really (laughs) grabbed the nation the way i thought it probably should have uh but i the rest of it was just us you know trying to 
make it interesting. And and to be honest with you, Mike, like I did feel a sense of responsibility this year to kind of do a better show in some ways for the road games because you guys that was the only way you guys were covering the team <laughs> was what we were you know yeah. putting out and look you guys wouldn't even be able to comprehend the the problems that were being solved and what we were having to go through in getting whatever came on the screens to you like it, it was insanity how we had to do games but some better than others we got through it and uh it's over with and hope hopefully bigger and better going forward so anyway. i thought you did great like i said i got to watch more games than i've ever watched on television it was very enjoyable well yeah there's remember the bye week that we used to have in the nhl mm-hmm. yeah well get ready uh totsi this is where you laugh Star- no, no, oh. not yet. I haven't delivered the oh. line. Crying out oh, okay. loud. Stars couldn't that the bye week B Y E. Stars couldn't buy B U Y forty eight hours without a game for much of this season. <laughs> That's a slick line. That's a slicky right there. You know, so who's gonna really, win? That would look really good in writing, like in a newspaper. Uh, oh, you're bringing it back around. I see what you did there. Who's gonna win the cup? Who's going to win the 2021 Lord Stanley Cup? Um, I'm going to go with the odds maker that Vegas probably will win the cup. Sentimentally, and I know this will kill you, I want Toronto to win it. Yeah. You don't understand Canada, do you? No, I don't. I do, but I just... There, there is... I, mean, I love Jason Spezza and I love Joe Zero. Martin. Zero love outside of Metro Toronto for anything Toronto Maple Leafs in the entirety of the country of Canada. They're kind of like the Aggies, don't you think, Totes? They oh love themselves away a little too much. God. What? No, but every they, everyone loves the Aggies. They would, yeah. <laughs> they would be, they'd be a decent choice. Uh, you know, the, the front runner, uh, Avalanche is also popular. They're, I mean, it's, it is wide open, isn't it? Don't you feel yeah. like it's just wide open? Well, I'm looking at all these things, and I and I do wonder, what do you think of one goalie versus three goalies? Like, Carolina has three good goalies, but is that a good thing or a bad thing? I almost I want a team that has one goalie and is going to ride one goalie. I don't know. I think those days are over right, for the most part. I, I think a lot of those days are over. I think you need multiple goalies. I, I think teams are that way. Although you can look at last year in the bubble and the two teams in the final rode one guy right. all the way through. So uh, the dark horse for me would be the Oilers. I, I just, you know, Tippett's a terrific coach and they have the best player in the game. They have uh, a better team. You know, they, they, they seem to have finally understood that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Like they, they went fast a lot in recent years, but it was all Connor. Uh, and they, they look like they got a much better team and they're getting great goaltending. Uh, so they, I mean, they, they could upset the apple cart up there in Canada, but everybody else, 
I mean, there's just a multitude of teams that that you would not be surprised if they won it this year. Yeah. You know, My you wouldn't, you wouldn't be shocked if Washington won it. You wouldn't be shocked yeah. if Boston won it. Tampa could win it again. Florida could win it the way they've gone about their business this year. Carolina could win it. They've been the best team point-wise in the league. Yeah. I don't think St. Louis can win it, uh, but they can they can spoil some parties. Uh, Minnesota? Minnesota, I, Minnesota, who knows? Who they knows? They could find themselves in a yeah. in a final. Vegas could win it. You know, like it's it's a it's a pretty wide open little party where teams are going to have to get out of their division like the old days in order yeah. to continue on and compete, which turns it a you know a bit of a different wrinkle to it this year than than just conference wise. So unfortunately, we'll just be watching and not uh, being a part of it. So that's that is really an empty feeling that it gives you. I think everyone, I, you know, Rick Bonus talked about it from a coaching perspective. You could hear it in the voices of the players. Uh, they so dearly wanted to go back at it, have another run at it. Uh, but attrition did them in like it did in the final last year. Just not enough bodies, not getting enough bodies back, una- unable to get in. And uh, but but for you, for for Jeff Totes, for fans, for. Us in broadcasting, I mean, you invest so much into it all all year, and then it just, bang, it hits a cliff, and it's over with. And I always find that really, really hard the days after a season ends, whether it ends in the second round of the playoffs or it's a non-playoff year, or even last year when it ended after the bubble because it was such a great uh, run in a lot of respects and terrible, and then it was done in front of no Stars fans. So uh, hopefully they, they get through a summer and come back with a full force and get back into this thing in front of everyone and titillate us once again, huh? Yeah, I'm, I think their window is, you hate to say that, it's closing because they, you know, they still have good young players. But the opportunity to, if they can be healthy with the lineup that they have, I really do, you know, Rick said it the other day, I really do believe they're in contention. Uh, if you have Radulov and Sagan and Bishop, and, you know, then now you have the improvement of Robertson and Hintz and uh, Haskinen and everybody, you know, you've got a team that really can compete, but that window, I think, is is starting to close on some of those older players. Well, there's no doubt. And the the great thing about seasons like this where some important people are missing, if you're looking for silver linings, which we always are, is that the growth hormone that was injected into Jason Robertson and into Jake Ottinger and some of these other players that, that played uh, significant time during the year at this level that wouldn't have in other circumstances is a good thing. Uh, and it didn't wreck them. You always worry about young players getting ruined by too much too soon, but that that wasn't the case uh, this year. And and hopefully going forward, it's just bigger and and better. You know, anything else, Mike? You're always the king of the last minute. So what else you no, got? Th- this oh, you have long. something. <laughs> this Come has been on, a long podcast. Huh? It's been long. Uh, it, yeah, but we're no, not going to do another fine. one for five months. That's true. So. I will say this. Get it all, all out. The, all the statistical issues that you come across in saying why this team wasn't good, 
So, you know, you're a great possession team, you're top five in, in quality scoring chances, but you don't score, right? All that really can be fixed next year if Sagan is healthy and if Radulov is healthy and if Ben Bishop's back in goal, then I think your save percentage is probably, you know, a lot higher than it was. So as you go into this, and, and we don't know what they're going to do with uh, any kind of free agency or, you know, trades or losing people to Seattle. But if you look at what is going to be on the ice on paper, it's a really good team. And the window, because Rick Bonus's contract is up next year and uh, Pavelski and Radulov's contracts are up next year, the window might be just next year. But, boy, I can see in my mind it could be a really fun, great year. And if we're back in the building and if they're competing against the entire league, I'm really excited. I know it's going to be a long wait, but I really think next year could be great. Well, let's hope you're right, Mike. And let's hope you're absolutely right in all of that. But for now, we have to say goodbye and say our thank yous. Thanks to Duncan for keeping us running. Uh, thanks to you two, obviously, for all that you put into these uh, through the year. Not the same when we can't look each other in the eye and really question each other's intelligence and being like we did back in the day in a room, in a rink. Uh, But Totsi, you've made this spectacular. I think the investment in microphones was was a quantum leap in rinky-dinking. Thanks to the Stars fans, obviously, and and uh, all you are they rinky dinkers is that what they are dinkheads as we decided in the first episode of the season they'll be known as dinkheads that's right and 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 during the dinkies uh, as well right they had hats just like parrot heads (laughs) or wing nuts uh anyway uh thank thanks you guys for everything appreciated it I, i i i mean look it's a good good way to exhaust things is it not it is and you're so good at it too i mean you i am i'm terrific when you look at all the post-game stuff that you do that you don't have to do when you look at rinky dinking what you do what you don't have to do mike 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 Mike. we're we're saying wonderful daryl yeah we love you daryl okay dick vermeil uh totsy thanks for everything mike thanks for everything for all you fans out there as the as the uh, happenings once sang back in the day Bye-bye, so long, farewell. Bye-bye, so long. See you in September. See you when the summer's through. So is this goodbye?